The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run simple with the game changers, you are in the right place. We're opening with a quote. What's the buzz on the street? A quote from the late and gorgeous movie star from child actress to adult glamour queen. Lots of jewels and lots of husbands. Elizabeth Taylor. Here's the quote. I fell off my pink cloud with a thud. Now, this is a business show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. You probably picked up on the one word we're going to be talking about today, cloud. That's right. Elizabeth had no clue what we're talking about, but I think we know what she was talking about. So let me get started. By 2019, now let's see, by calculations, that's coming in about two and a half years. Can you believe it? Cloud software delivery will grow to $112 billion. I said billion with a B. Five times faster than traditional software, and it's going to level the playing field for IT. Now listen, you know, you're in business. We have a business audience all over the world. There has been uneasiness, skepticism, and what I call technical acrophobia, meaning fear of heights about the cloud. But that's mostly in the past. You've come to trust it, understand it. So we're seeing a massive growth in cloud adoption. It could grow from 22% today to 32% in the next 24 months, reaching almost up to 2019, and then probably galloping faster than that. Who is the main beneficiary of all of this cloud? Cloud software delivery and growth, SMBs, small and mid-sized businesses. I'm guessing most of our listeners fall into that category. But the question on the table today is, do you, the SMBs, or if you know somebody who's got a small to mid-sized company, oh, tell them they have to listen to this show, either live or on demand. Do you still need to worry about the original concerns, reliability, availability, data security. What's your data doing? Who's storing it? Who's looking at it? How private is it? How secure is it? Your big corporate secrets. And what about pricing complexity? Supposed to be simple? Sometimes not so much. We have a panel of three experts who are going to help you and me figure this out. Let me tell you who's on our panel today. First up, I'll be speaking in a moment to Tim Fuller, EY's global SAP go-to-market leader. EY, of course, is Ernst & Young, and we're always delighted to have EY thought leaders on our show, and he will be joined today by Eric Gunther, the head of strategy and operations for SAP's North America Innovation Office. We love innovation people. And joining us, the third panelist is Steve Day, Solution Director with the SAP Cloud Analytics Center of Excellence. Happy to have the three of you here. So let's start off by looking at the quote Tim Fuller has sent for our opening. Well, my goodness, it's from Stephen King. Anybody who has been literally hiding under a rock may be a scary 
Story Rock. His full name is Stephen Edwin King. He was born September 21st, 1947. What's today? Today is the 13th, 14th, 15th, 13th, 14th. So in uh, seven days from today, Stephen King will be, hmm, I think uh, 69 years old. He's an American author of contemporary horror, ooh, supernatural fiction, suspense, science fiction, and fantasy. His books have sold more than 350 million copies. Many have been adapted into feature films, miniseries, TV shows, comic books. He's had 54 novels. He's kind of a little busy, you think, and six nonfiction books, and he's written nearly 200 short stories. Here's the quote, very, very interesting quote Tim Fuller has selected from the vast collection of quotables from Stephen King. Quote, sooner or later, everything old is new again. Tim Fuller, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you today, Tim? Hi, Bonnie. Great. Thanks for having me. Delighted to have you. And you know, tell me about the quote, because I have something to say in French, and I don't know if you'll understand it, but it's not a dirty, (laughs) not a dirty word. So go ahead, tell me about the quote. in Japanese, but not in French. Well, (laughs) the honest truth is, I went looking for that quote. I didn't know who said it, but having been in this business for almost 35 years, I see and read a lot about cloud computing, and it all sounds new. And Mm -hmm. as a guy with a longer-term view, many things sound new, but the, the concept is not so new. So I didn't know it was set, it was quoted from Stephen King. I actually don't like horror novels. I love <laughs> I love the Shawshank Redemption. That's a great yes. movie. But it makes me think back to 1973. I snuck out and saw The Exorcist, even though my mother told me not to, and I slept with the lights on for five days. So I'm not <laughs> a fan you right, of kid. horror movies or novels. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> did you know? Relevant. It's great. And Tim, did you know the name of the novella on which the Shawshank Redemption was based? Are you aware of it? I'm gonna, I think I'm going to no. surprise you. It was called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. That's what my research told me. I don't know what uh. in the world Rita Hayworth had to do. And I opened with a quote from Elizabeth Taylor. So <laughs> yeah, we've got that. some, some beautiful women on this call. Well, <laughs> just talking about them anyway. So my question is, I, I have a French phrase to tell you. It's my favorite phrase in French. It's plus ça change. Plus I'm told my accent is fairly good for somebody who hasn't spoken French in 30 years. And uh, that means the more things change, the more they stay the same. Would you say that's a a permutation on King's quote, you think? Absolutely. And actually, that was the quote I was looking for. I wanted to see who (gasps) said that. And the closest I could find was Stephen King's quote. So there you have it. I am... I am a big fan of yours, Tim Fuller. That was a lot of good research you put into that. Thank you very much, and we have a lot to talk to you about. By the way, do you think SMB should be worried? Let's go back to my my opening question I posited at the end of my monologue. Should they be worried? I don't think they should be worried. They should just be cautious and have their eyes wide open. You know, as Ah. what I see, there's so many companies offering so many things. One of my fundamental fears is, is as more services and processes and applications move to cloud environments, that we're going to end up with the very same, you know, silos of information that companies have within their four walls today. They're just going to be between Google, Amazon, IBM, and others. So they should just have their eyes wide open, not be scared. Thank you. And we will not reference the Tom Cruise movie, Eyes Wide Shut. We'll leave that one out of the conversation. Oh, I just said it. Silly me. We're in a movie frame of mind here today. Thank you very much, Tim. Pleasure to have you on. And now let's turn to Eric Gunther, Head of Strategy and Operations for SAP's North America Innovation Office. And Eric has sent me a quote. I did a little look up on this one, and it's from Lewis Carroll. It's not from Alice in Wonderland. It's from Through the Looking Glass. Through the Looking Glass and what Alice found there in 1871 
is a novel by Lewis Carroll, whose real name was Charles Ludwidge Dodgson. And this is the sequel to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, 1865. The quote I'm about to read you is from The Red Queen's Race, and I'll just leave it at that. Alice is constantly running but remains in the same spot, a fantasy world populated by peculiar anthropomorphic creatures. Here is the quote. Listen up, kids. This is a good one. My dear... Here we must run as fast as we can just to stay in place. And if you wish to go anywhere, you must run twice as fast as that. I think this should be a Nike commercial. Eric Gunther, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm, uh, I'm good, and I'm thrilled to be here this morning. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Talk to me. A big fan of Lewis Carroll, and I know you thought this was from Alice in Wonderland. It's a, a close one because it's, it's really what Alice found there when she was busy running and ran into the Red Queen. So tell me, how does this quote relate to our topic? Because it's really good. Well, I'll tell you what, Bonnie, and, and first of all, I think your work here is done. I've, uh, I've learned something that I didn't know about where that came from, so I appreciate that. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I love this quote because to me it really encapsulates what business is all about today that it moves really fast, and actually, um, it moves faster every day, right? Um, and, and we did some research recently where we looked at technology adoption from 100 years ago versus today, and, and what you find is fascinating. For example, the refrigerator, when it was introduced, it took 45 years to get to 80% of the population. Mm-hmm. The automobile, it took, uh, it took 60 years for the automobile to get to 80% of the population, Today, if you look at Facebook, it took 10 years to get to a billion people, Mm -hmm. and it took Android five years to get to a billion people. So things are really accelerating, and in order for businesses to keep up, they really need to move fast, too. And to me, that's what cloud is all about, is, is it's really stripping away a lot of the dead weight in companies and letting them focus on what makes them competitive. Very interesting, Eric. I, I am very appreciative of your, your timeline and your time crunch observation. I think that's great. We don't often talk about that, the fact that everything is compressed. And I, I have been made aware recently of a term called templosion, where big changes to culture, to science, to technology, to civilization, anything, happen in smaller and smaller time frames. Are you familiar with the word templosion? I had never heard that. But I'll, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I find interesting, there's that observation that the only constant is change. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about it, and, and I happen to have an engineering background, so I'm kind of a geek on this stuff, but, but change actually is not a constant, right? As we just said, change actually is accelerating as well. So things, um, things keep going faster and faster and uh, provides a bit of a challenge for all of us to keep up. They do, absolutely. And by the way, I have to give another reference to, I'm, I'm so glad you used this quote, a reference to Through the Looking Glass. That's where Carol used phrases like Jabberwocky, the, the celebrated verses of Jabberwocky, The Walrus and the Carpenter, one of my favorite poems, and an episode involving Tweedledum and Tweedledee. And if we all close our eyes, or maybe we don't have to, talking about nightmares, Tim Fuller, you can see images of Tweedledum and Tweedledee. <laughs> Let me just leave that one on the table. Thank you, Eric. Pleasure to meet you. And let's talk now to Steve. 
Stephen Day, Solution Director with the SAP Cloud Analytics COE Center of Excellence. And we're going to wax, I think this is Latin now. We've had a little French. We've had a little Stephen King. We've had a little Elizabeth Taylor. And now we're going to go into Latin. And the quote is, Ot viam inveniam, ot faciam. I probably botched that. But the English translation is more or less, I shall either find a way or make one. It's a Latin proverb, most commonly attributed to Hannibal in response to his generals who declared it was impossible for him to cross the Alps with elephants. I want to say that with an accent, but I won't. And uh, it was also, let's see, it has been attributed to Hannibal. Also, if it was spoken in Punic and not Latin, the first part, Invenium Vium, I shall find a way, appears in other contexts in the tragedies of Seneca, spoken by Hercules and by Oedipus, and in Seneca's Hercules Furens, Act 1, scene, Act 2, Scene 1, Line 276. OMG, Steve, you never expected I would tell you that. Steve Day, welcome to the show. I shall either find a way or make one. How are you, Steve Day? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Oh, we're delighted. Talk to me. Did you know this quote had such history? My Latin's a little rusty, so thanks for doing the research, but uh, it is a very important quote to me, yes. So talk to me. How does it relate to cloud? So, uh, you know, as it relates to me, whether it's my, my personal life with family and athletics or my professional life with career in the cloud, it's all about identifying the goals and objectives and then finding or creating a path to success. And our SMB customers or a Fortune 100 company, whoever's listening, the path to, to, to success is not always clear. And it's all about either finding or creating that path. And, you know, more so than ever before in the cloud, there's always a path to success, but sometimes we have to get very creative and be very persistent in order in order to find the way to the finish line. Thank you, Stephen. I think you just described the innovation mindset, creative and persistence. Do you think that all goes together in one one nice package? I certainly do. Yeah, I do too. Thank you very much, Steve. Pleasure to have the three of you on. And now let's get a little bit personal, not too personal. Tim Fuller, we'd like to know where you're calling from today. What time is it? I'm in New York, so it's 11.16 a.m. Eastern. And we'd like to know what you're drinking right now, because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers, or what are you planning to drink to celebrate after the show, or a favorite beverage travel story. I'll leave it up to you. Tim Fuller, you're on. So, so I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, same time zone as you. Mm-hmm. I'm actually drinking, this is a, a, a related, I want to relate it to the cloud discussion we're going to have. I'm drinking Nespresso coffee. Now, I bought this machine because a friend of mine had one and I thought it was quite good. What I didn't know is the only place you can buy coffee for this Nespresso machine is online. You can't buy it in the grocery stores, at least not in Atlanta. So if you run out and you don't plan well, you don't have any coffee to drink until... <laughs> Amazon or someone delivers you a new set. So that's my riddle. I know, dear. I have an espresso, too. Mine is red. What color is your espresso? It's black. Okay. It well, looks really look- cool. It does. I have red quartz countertops in my kitchen with little sparkles in them, so the red machine looks absolutely fabulous. But I learned that lesson, too. You have to order ahead. If you catch the sales at the right time, Tim, you can get free shipping if you order something like 100 capsules. To me, the bigger problem, the challenge, I won't say problem, is getting rid of the pods because I'd like to be environmentally astute and correct. So I collect them in a huge plastic bag, and the options are they will send you a bag to return them by mail somewhere, or there are a 
few places near me, not very nearby, with very difficult parking where I can actually go and drop them off. So what do you do uh, with your pods when they're used? That's that's another interesting. I'll just say it makes it a little more complex, but I think the coffee is worth it. What do you do with the, the used pods, Tim? Right now I just put them in the recycle bin at our house, but I haven't I haven't explored the options for returning them yet. I'll have to do that. Do that, and I think there's another thing you could do, probably make summer lanterns out of them, string them along with fishing wire and put little lights in, or Christmas lights, because the pods are beautiful colors, and I, I take pictures of them. I turn them, you know, the, the curved side up and put them on a beautiful plate and take pictures. They're like a fantasy, so I rest my case. Thank you for the good thoughts about Nespresso. I do love their coffee. Eric Gunther, where are you? What are you drinking today? Hey, Bonnie. I am outside of Philadelphia. It's 11.15 in the morning, um, so I'm not drinking anything too interesting right now, but um, I'll tell you what I'm going to be drinking about eight or nine hours from now, which is a couple fingers of Templeton Rye Whiskey. Mm, tell me about it. Why? What's so special about it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's, um, it's quite tasty. My wife and I, in our um, everlasting quest for something new, found it a couple months ago, um, and it's pretty good, but, but um, what's really interesting to me is the story behind it. Mm-hmm. So it was actually born illegally during Prohibition, yep. and they um, started making it in a rail town outside of Chicago in Iowa, and the um, most interesting thing about it is that it ended up being the favorite drink of Al Capone. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying Mr. mm-hmm because I, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I'm reading it right uh, along with you, and you're right on the money. Did you know it's amber color, too, and it's very high quality, and it was as way for farmers in Carroll County area in Iowa to supplement their income. Very interesting. Well, See, it, um, it is all of those things and actually was imported into a lot of places, including Alcatraz when Al Capone was there. So apparently he liked it quite a lot, enough to go to great lengths to, uh, to make sure he could continue to drink it. So we uh, love it. Um, it certainly has a really fascinating story behind it. The power of the trade-off and the greasy palm. We'll just leave that one alone. Getting things that you want in places you're not supposed to get them. We see so much of that on TV today. Maybe Al started that. Thank you. And Steve Day, are you drinking something that used to be illegal? I'm afraid to ask. Where are you today, Steve Day? I'm in uh, beautiful British Columbia on the West Coast uh, in, in the mountains right now. And I am drinking a protein shake. It's just after 8 o'clock in the morning. And um, it seems like I'm always either preparing for a run or, or recovering from a run, since that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. And I had a great 10-mile run this morning in the mountains, so I'm enjoying a nice protein shake, lots of carbs and, and, and you know, protein, and recovering my, my body appropriately. And Steve, is there a name? You can mention a brand name. Do you have a favorite protein drink? Uh, not really. I'm drinking Vega Sport right now, but there's a lot of different ones in my cupboard. Okay, thank you very much for that. I'm sure they appreciate the shout-out. And I don't know the three of you, so you don't know that they do not let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. Wonder why I'm having cool, (laughs) clear water in a cool, clear cup with a green straw today because we are talking the bottom line is how can SMB, small to mid-sized businesses, grow and become profitable and sustainable, and there's money in them, dark clouds, somewhere. So that's what I'm drinking, a green straw in honor of the money that they're looking for, profitability is the 
the proper word. So we're talking today about cloud computing, growth, adoption, and SMBs. If you're somewhere in our listening audience, whether you're listening live to us today, September 14th, it is now 1121 a.m. here on the east coast of the U.S. in New York area, or if you're listening later on to our podcast, these shows are all recorded, think about how your company is going to grow and how you're going to get past all those hurdles of on-premise software and what the cloud can offer. We're going to do a deeper dive with Tim Fuller at EY, Eric Gunther at SAP, and Steve Day at SAP on what you should be concerned about, eyes wide open, and what the benefits are and why in the world is it growing so fast. All of a sudden, think Templosion. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, that app, whatever you're using to listen to us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are back, and we're speaking today about cloud computing. It is growing huge exponentially, and how is it helping SMB, small to mid-sized businesses, grow, sustain, and be profitable and play with the big kids in whatever market sandbox you're interested in. We're going to speak right now with Tim Fuller at EY. I'm looking at the notes Tim sent me before the show. We're going to do a little bit of looking back over our shoulder and forward. So Tim said to me, cloud computing has been around for decades. It was previously known as service bureaus and outsourcing. What is new? One thing is businesses have many choices. Tim, why don't you expand this for us? Take about two minutes, and then we will have Eric and Steve chime in. Go ahead, Tim. Okay. Thank you, Bonnie. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, so from a looking back perspective, I, I read a lot about cloud, and we're involved a lot of cloud in, in my new role. And so I laugh at some of the things I see about you know, infrastructure as a service, platforms as a service, software as a service, you know, public cloud, private cloud. There's so many terms, virtualization, you know, hyperscale. All these terms sound like really new things if you've not been in IT for a long time. And some of the terms themselves, they're definitely new, but they refer to capabilities or services or technologies that I think have been around a long time. So I think it's important to when you look at cloud to kind of demystify it a little and compare it for what it really is. Um, Cloud is not new as a concept, but many of the terms are new, and a lot of the technologies have improved a lot in the last 10, 15 years. So 
when I talk about you know sending your payroll out to ADP 25, 35 years ago, it's not that different now. The difference is you can connect to a payroll provider or an HR solution provider over the internet that wasn't around 30 years ago for, and available for business. But fundamentally and conceptually, the process is the same. And part of the reason I mention that is I, to look back first is I think we're in sort of the first generation of cloud. Um, first generation or a lot of companies are moving applications or processes to a cloud because it's faster, better, cheaper than building their own data centers and having the teams to, you know, pay for teams to provide that service for them. Um, it's more attractive to let someone do it for you who has massive scale. So there are a lot of benefits for small and medium business around cloud. Um, but I think we're, in my view, is we're in the first generation. The second generation is going to be to actually integrate various cloud providers so that your financial systems can talk to your HR provider, even if they're on separate clouds. And even better, to integrate your suppliers to you as a vendor or you as a corporation to your customers. Um, multiple people are going to be on lots of different cloud infrastructures and the ability to have APIs and other technologies to connect multiple clouds is what's growing now. And I think it's the next generation of cloud computing, but we shouldn't go there immediately. But that's why I, I want to look back first and kind of demystify some of what cloud means because it's not all new. That makes sense? Yeah, that does. Thank you very much. I'd love to get Eric's thoughts. Eric, agree or disagree, and tell us more on on this topic, please. Yeah, Bonnie, I I totally agree. And uh, and by the way, Tim, I didn't didn't realize uh, I've known Tim for a while. I didn't realize, man, you're so old. You, uh, <laughs> frightening. You've got this firsthand perspective on all these things that happened so long ago. Um, but but I, I do agree. Oh, um, we'll leave it. You're just going to have to play. You know, we're all here in the sandbox. We're all equals. Let's not talk about age. I'm, I'm probably the, uh, the, the eldest, eldest statesperson on the call. So we'll, we'll leave Tim alone. Go, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> well, I don't want to call firing on my own position either. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm right there with you all. But, okay. but, but I'll tell you what, I, I did a bit of research around this as well. And, you know, interestingly, back in the, uh, in the early days of computers, like in the 50s, because they were so expensive, there actually were, were time-sharing approaches that were set up, you know, to, to, uh, to defray the capital cost. And, and so to Tim's point, you know, there have been a lot of these constructs around for a long time. But, but what's interesting is I think... Everything came together, you know, maybe five or ten years ago, and and then we really hit, you know, this tipping point, you know, maybe just three or four years ago, where everybody started diving in, you know, and, and, and really getting serious about adoption and, and this kind of current model of cloud. Um, and, and when I look at it, what got us to that was the evolution of a lot of technology, you know, there's, there are new business, commercial business models that have been set up. And then, you know, the other thing that I look at that, that I think got us to where we are is a mindset change that says, you know what, um, where we used to, you know, I talked to a CIO 10 years ago, and she said, I do whatever my business um, stakeholders ask me to do. Whatever they want, I give to them. And I think what's changed in that mindset is now we realize that, you know what, customizing everything isn't always the best answer. We can actually mm. use, you know, standard more off-the-shelf functionality for a lot of what we do in a business, 
and it doesn't hurt our competitive advantage. You know, there are a few areas where we probably want to customize and do things differently, um, but cloud tends to offer a lot of things that are more off the shelf, and people have realized that that's actually okay. It, it, it actually doesn't hurt us, and it allows us to be more efficient and focus on those critical few things that give us a competitive advantage. Thank you very much, Eric. Very interesting. I think there's a, a big uh, warning sign around what you said. It's okay to not have everything customized. I think that was the message is it's not going to hurt you if I heard you say that right. We can talk more about that later. I think that's a very good message for our listening audience. Let's get Steve Dayan on this. Steve, what are your thoughts? Thanks, Bonnie. I agree with it in principle, although I do think that things are different today, and I'll kind of explain my thought process around that. If we look back to, you know, outsourcing and service bureau times, um, you know, there was very complex arrangements in order to, to move tasks from in-house from an organization to an outsourcing arrangement. And I had the, the fortune or misfortune of you know, having the opportunity to negotiate a very large and complex outsourcing arrangement probably 15 years ago for a Canadian telco organization. So I've, I've been through the pain and suffering of doing that. Now, in, in 2016, it's so easy to do that, to, to shift a process or an application to, to, you know, to the cloud, have it managed by a vendor whose core, competen- core competency is doing that, is so easy. And so I think as much as the principles are the same and the fact that it's been happening for a long time, um, it's, it's very different now, hence the absolutely explosive up to 34% adoption right year over year for the cloud. Um, you know, one interesting example is I have a six-year-old daughter, and she is really into face painting, and so we found a retailer, I won't name the retailer, that, that had it in stock, went to the location. They apparently had three units, and then we got there, we searched high and low, and there was no face painting kit anywhere in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, because their their inventories were not up to date, so that that was just one example of kind of retailing falling down. Other retailers are using security cameras within the store to actually identify what is and is not on the shelves, and have that link up through cloud-based applications with their inventory systems in order to cross-check their inventory systems to make sure that when I go online to find my face painting kit for my six-year-old daughter that it's actually there on the shelf. And that's a fantastic application for for cloud and surprisingly simple to put in place compared with many years ago. And I would say, aha, and thank goodness, because there are so many retailers who just don't have any clue. The people in the stores have no clue what's on the shelves, when it's coming, where to get it. And many of us are, we have to go online to get what should be in the local store because the right hand doesn't know what the left is doing. I'm not naming any names, but I've had that experience recently. Thank you for that. It sounds very innovative and very creative. But let me just ask you a quick question, Steve, and then we'll go around the table. We'll ask uh, Tim and Eric the same question. How aware are small to mid-sized businesses that this exists? Somebody listening to the show right now, they say, boy, I have to contact that Steve Day. He's really smart. He can help me out with getting my inventory under control. This is terrific. I didn't know I could get that on the cloud. Do you think it's going to be this aha? Are they going to say, yeah, yeah, we've got 101 applications waiting to get on the cloud for other things we need more than that? What's your quick quick observation? Are they Are they aware or is this breaking news? 
So I, I would suspect that that's probably an innovative use case that is, is breaking news to many people. Um, you know, you know, part of the, the opportunity and the challenge is that there's so many applications for, for cloud, whether it's analytics or applications or, or whatever that is within an SMB or a large enterprise organization, that there's limitless opportunity. And figuring out what makes the most sense is the most important thing. And so I always work with, you know, my, my companies I work with on, on identification and prioritization of business use cases. Because if there's 100 million things that we could do today and tomorrow, what are the top five things that are, that are going to create the highest business value and the sustained competitive advantage for my customers? Thank you very much. Tim Fuller, why don't you weigh in on this? We've spun a little bit out from your original topic, but I like where this is going. So what are your thoughts on where Steve is taking this? Yeah, yeah. No, me too. And, and that's kind of the, the next generation. But I would say, for example... Retailers using security cameras to look at shelves is kind of like me having to remember to look in the drawer to see how many Nespresso capsules I have left. <laughs> bravo, <laughs> bravo, nice it style. It be, you know, the, the next generation and what is possible, I think, with cloud is that when, if I'm tracking as a retailer what's going out the door, because I'm scanning mm-hmm. it, that it's automatically telling my supplier what it is that I need for, for you know, renewed inventory and fulfillment. For merchandising, so it's possibility with cloud because the systems are outside of companies' four walls. You know, if I compared it to the old days, we used electronic data interchange or EDI. That's still the biggest way to move purchase orders for new materials to come to a retailer or a manufacturer is an electronic procurement or you know scheme or process that Mm -hmm. um, gives us you know more inventory. But in the future, if the system is not based in my company and yours, they're, they're actually in a cloud, and the clouds can talk to one another, which they couldn't do in the past, except for mm-hmm. things like EDI. Um, you'll be able, we will be able to automate. When inventory goes out the store, it automatically creates an order or a signal for that supplier to send me more. And they know how much I need and which stores I need it, and uh, we can automate it. So I think we have a long way we can go with cloud computing beyond where we are today. But I Thank think the, you. the example I'll, that Stephen gave is good. Yeah, I like the optimism. Thank you. Eric, I'd like to get you in on this before I move to some topics from your list. So, Eric Gunther, what are you thinking? Cool. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question around awareness. Um, uh, I came across a statistic recently that back in 2012, which wasn't that long ago, there was a Citrix study where nearly a third of the participants responded that cloud had something to do with the weather. Um, only 16% associated with information technology, and most people didn't think they would ever use it, even though actually in 2012 a lot of them actually already were. Um, so, so the awareness a few years ago even, not so good. Um, and, and, and now you look at the acceleration, you know, um, although in SMB, you know, with that specific focus, I came across a statistic um, from Forbes, that only 37%, um, and this is a year ago, only 37% of small businesses in the U.S. were using the cloud. Again, maybe more were than, than realized it, um, but, but it was a small number. I think it's rapidly accelerating. That number is supposed to go you know, up to, I think, uh, 78% by 2020. So there's a rapid increase in awareness and adoption, um, but to Steve's point, I think 
you know, there, there are still a lot of um, questions around, well, what all is out there? There are a whole lot of options. There are a whole lot of things available. Um, and, and I think everybody is wrestling right now with, you know, well, what do I adopt, you know, and what makes more sense in the cloud versus on-prem? And, you know, do I do SaaS? Do I do platform as a service? Do I do infrastructure as a service? So many different things to look at. So, so I think the awareness is growing, um, but now you get into this sort of planning and prioritization um, mode where you need to figure out, you know, I know I need to move forward. I know there's a lot of opportunity, you know, but what do I do? What do I do next? Thank you very much, Eric. I'm going to keep you in the hot seat, as it were, right here. I'm looking at your notes, and I have to do a special thank you to you because I lifted a lot of your notes for my opening. I think you know that. My monologue is heavily based on what you sent me, so we've already covered a lot. But I want to go into, let's talk about a level playing field for IT, but more than that, level playing field in new markets for small, mid-sized companies with the big giants, with I like to call them the behemoth enterprises. And my And I'm looking at your notes, and you say, when it comes to moving technology to the cloud, The decision-making process is probably one area where SMBs are not that different from larger enterprises. So, Eric, why don't we we segue into who in the enterprises, who in the small to mid-sized businesses, rather, has the mindset, would it be the millennials moving up into positions of almost into the C-suite? Because millennials are in their mid-30s, OMG, already, and that makes the rest (laughs) of us so old. Uh, Who has the mindset to say, we want to play with the big kids, we want to be a playing player in global markets, we want to be able to move that inventory and get that supply chain going and, and get the best talent. We want everything that the big companies have opportunities to do and and so we need to think cloud. So old guard versus new guard, excuse me for saying that. I hope I'm not offending anybody. But where is the mindset coming from that makes these smaller companies saying, yeah, we can do this and cloud's going to get us there? Talk to me. You know, I think it, it comes um, from some of the different demographics, like, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But, but to me, the other thing it comes from is the partnership between business leaders and business strategists and mm. the technology organization. So, you know, I've, I uh, worked with a, a CIO um, of a sugar company not too long ago who said, you know, he's, he's one of the CIOs and not all of them are in the situation where he has a, a seat at the table, you know, with the, the, the leadership team for the business. And they really look to him to help them strategically move the business to where they want to go in the future. And, and he is very, very cloud-focused. And the reason for that is the business leaders he's working with in, you know, in finance and operations um, on the customer side, there are a lot of things they want to do. And he has decided that the best way to increase their flexibility is to move as much as he can to the cloud. It, it, it increases the adoption mm. speed it gives them availability to a lot of new technology very quickly. And so I think, you know, more often than not, the imperative is driven from where do we need to go with a business and then what's the right technology infrastructure to put in place to enable that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. Uh, let's move around the table and see if it makes sense to your, your colleagues on the panel. Steve Day, thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree completely with what Eric just said, especially the, the comments of where to go from a business perspective and how 
these organizations can accelerate their adoption and their speed through through, through technology adoption. You know, two two very contrasting examples from sizes of organizations. Is, you know, Morgan Stanley, the capital markets firm, has they they are you know a financial services organization, but they have a larger IT and R and D budget than almost any other company on earth, including the technology companies that you know many of us work for. Okay, and so many tens of thousands of their people are dedicated to running IT environments and creating software within their organization. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other is the, the SMB organizations, you know, many of which are on the line here. And I'm working with one in San Diego right now that is very aggressively outsourcing and moving their applications to the cloud. And they already have their customer resource management, their human capital management, their supply chain, their analytics, and their travel expense, and the cloud. And they've literally done that in the span of six to eight months. And so by identifying as I said, the business priority, it allows these organizations to move so quickly and then focus on their core competencies. So unlike the Morgan Stanley example, the SMB company in San Diego can focus on what they need to do, especially if they only have 100 employees or 1,000 employees, as opposed to having to you know, allocate 10 to 15% of their employees to managing IT infrastructure. Thank you. Let me circle around to Tim Fuller. A lot of good thoughts on the table. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with the strategy part. And since I'm just one or two years older than Eric, that's your kid, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Play nice um, now, kids. Play nice. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Uh, we're, old, we're old friends, so we can pick on each other, even on the was radio. That old, was that operative word old friends? Okay, yeah, we'll just let yeah. that one go. I didn't so, mean to do that. Go ahead. The thing that I see strategy is absolutely clear or true, it, it's so important in cloud. And, and what I have seen in some organizations that we work with, um, people are making decisions outside of, the, outside of the CIO. You know, our terminology internally is line of business. So the, the head of sales, the head of finance, you know, the CFO, the person in charge of HR payroll benefits, you know, the H, H, HR leader in the company are making decisions without any coordinated um, strategy, and oftentimes the CIO is struggling. You know, if they they end up with multiple cloud providers for multiple key you know enterprise solutions or systems, and they have a hard time executing sort of a cohesive strategy for a company. So, I think strategy is really important, and companies ought to have a strategy for cloud before they make an investment, and and they should manage carefully who makes decisions around cloud investments, and does that particular investment or decision for a specific line of business within their company fit within their overall IT strategy. Interesting. Let me just dial this back a second, Tim, and, and for the panel. If we're talking about small to midsize, I'm not sure if in that mix we look at startups. Are startups in there, Tim? A startup with maybe 5 to 25 employees? That might even be a big startup. What do you? What is your perspective on that? Yeah, well, our company spends a lot of time with entrepreneurs and startups, and and in that environment, I think it's easier. I think when yeah. you grow to so to have a cohesive strategy because it's small, but when you yep. get to so, a one, two, three, four hundred million kind of company, mm-hmm. that's a big entity with a lot of different people and a lot of different opinions. And and even for that size company, it's important to have a cloud strategy that everybody understands and follows. 
Yeah, and that, that's what I was looking at is when you're lean and mean and you're a startup, you're entrepreneurial, it takes really the visionary, the person who's the leader or their trusted advisors. And you mentioned having a strategic advisor for a company who would say, you got to be in the cloud. You got to look at the opportunities, the advantages, the cost effectiveness, the technology effectiveness. Everything is there. We got to hit the ground running in the cloud. Would that be a good, a good vision for an entrepreneur to have from the business plan get go, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. I think having a strategy, as Eric mentioned, for cloud, just like you've had a strategy in the past, if you're not a startup, for in-house technology is just as important for cloud. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, Steve Day, I'm looking at your notes here. We don't have an awful lot of time. We've got about six minutes before we go to predictions. So, Steve, I'm going to pick up three statements here from your notes. I think we can weave them together. Let's see what you can accomplish in two and a half minutes or so, three minutes, and then we'll have a quick uh, round around the table with Tim and with Eric. So, Steve Day told me the following in his notes. He said, number one, cloud is the new normal in the world of analytics. Number two, small to mid-sized businesses, SMB organizations, can achieve the most significant benefits from cloud analytics. So we're putting the two words together. And then third, he says, agility and innovation are the two main business drivers for companies adopting cloud analytics. So I think we're focusing on cloud analytics here. Why don't you give us a little little overview of this, uh, Steve Day, and then we'll quickly get Eric and Tim, or Tim and Eric in the right order, to comment. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, just a quick example. 15 years ago, I lived outside of San Francisco. And as uh, anyone knows, having been to the Bay Area traffic, it's just horrendous in that part of North America. And if I wanted to get from A to B, I just, you know, hope for the best and try and gridlock traffic all the time. I was there yesterday as well. And thanks to, you know, Google Maps, which I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners use, we now have, you know, real-time traffic updates and, and, and routing. So I was literally trying to get from San Jose to SFO to catch a flight last night and taken three-quarters of the way around the Bay Area as the most quick and optimal way to get to where I was going. This is completely done within the cloud. And it's an absolutely fantastic example of an extremely large technology company, Google, that's innovating so aggressively. But the reason why I bring this up, specific to F&D, is this gives them the capabilities to open up these these applications to other companies. So Uber, which is now extremely large and successful, started off as consuming services from other companies like Google and, you know, and, and payment providers and stuff like that. So they don't need to create these, these things in house anymore to build their application. They can leverage the best of other companies through cloud mm-hmm. services in order to build what, what's unique to them. You know, coming to this agility and innovation, okay? As, as a software provider, we, you know, use to release new versions of our software every 6 to 18 months, depending on the complexity of the software. We now do bi-weekly releases of software. Literally every two weeks, our customers get an update to their, their product because of how fast we can innovate in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So this provides so much value to especially to our city customers. And then when we pair this with the trends in IoT or the Internet of Things and sensors being on everything, from cars to garbage cans to sewers, the amount of, of speed, agility, and innovation and decision-making is unparalleled. And we have, we have you know, race car companies, we have municipalities, we have, we have retailers that are using these type of cloud-based analytics environments in order to optimize their businesses in order to move extremely fast. 
There's our agility and innovation. Thank you. Steve, we're going to ask you to call back quickly. Your line is kind of devolving down in clarity. I can hear you, but I want to make sure you're very, very clear when we go into the predictions round just a couple minutes. So we're going to have you call right back. We will wait for you. And Tim Fuller, I'm going to have you comment, please, for just one minute on what Steve Day just said. Yeah, I did have trouble understanding everything Steve said. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know when to guy. stop him and have him call back. I probably should have done it, and he's calling back right now. But I think we made out the idea, and the idea to me from the notes are agility and innovation, the, the incredible speed of working in the cloud. So let's run with that, Tim. Yeah. No, there's no doubt that, that the cloud actually means speed because you don't have to build everything yourself. You can leverage, regardless of the size of business you are, you can leverage technology and investments in technology that only the largest companies in the past could afford. So you can move fast. I would say to what I got from Steve's point, when you, when you build a cloud strategy, think of have the future in mind. Because today, a lot of companies like Amazon, IBM, Google, and Microsoft, they can run anything you need to run to support your business. Um, it's all available from each of them. But think with the future in mind. How do you want to get closer to your suppliers? How do you want to get closer to your customers? What technologies is that going to require? And, and does the cloud provider you're considering, is, are they going to support that in the next five to ten years? I know you're coming to a, a future statement, but my short-term yeah. one is think of the, have the future in mind when you select cloud service providers. Thank you. Yes, we are almost at the predictions, crystal ball predictions round. So we'll push you to get it, give us another one. I like that one already. That was a pre-prediction. So there, <laughs> Eric Gunther, why don't you take just about one minute to comment on what Tim commented on what Steve Day said, innovation, agility, <laughs> speed in the cloud. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. All right. So, so I have to agree. I mean, I think agility and innovation are, you know, two of the biggest drivers in, in why cloud adoption is, is taking off the way it is. I would add scalability um, because you can now scale as quickly as you want, almost you know to an infinite level, right? I mean, there's capacity out there to ramp up as quickly as you can grow. So I think that's another benefit. And then you know, cost is is one that can go either way. I mean, Tim uh, observed in a conversation we had recently that you really have to look carefully at cost. But, but the one thing from an SMB standpoint that I think um, plays into the cost equation is that you don't always have the scale as an SMB that a, a Disney or an IBM might have. So it, it allows you, by using a cloud provider, to tap into the economies of scale that they have. So that's where some of the cost advantage can come from. And, and then finally, I think there's another advantage, which I thought was interesting, around productivity, and there was a study recently where uh, employee productivity for um, companies using cloud solutions, um, they, uh, 59% said it went up substantially versus only half that who said it went up using on-prem solutions. And I think that has to do with the usability that you get in a lot of the cloud solutions, which is you know, oftentimes a lot better you know, especially than some of the legacy um, uh, on-prem solutions. Thank you very much. And you know what, Tim Fuller, I'm uh, Steve Day, you're back, and I'm going to 
tell you what, Steve Day, we're going to start the predictions with you to give Tim Fuller a chance to take a sip of something and think about his second prediction. So, Steve Day, we're at the predictions crystal ball part of the show. Love you to look in the future. I still like the year 2020 because I cannot get it out of my head hearing Barbara Walters say 2020 for so many decades on TV. <laughs> but you can pick any time in the future you want. So I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds. Steve Day, what's coming down the pike for SMBs and cloud? Talk to me. Go. Yeah, thanks. I'm in the analytics practice world and, you know, analytics is business intelligence planning, predictive analytics, and we're seeing it all come together. So in the next couple of years, it's really coming together. So these aren't being managed by our customers as, as separate things anymore. It's, you know, singular applications to accomplish all of that. And we have great examples of customers that are doing this in a very simplified way. However, Bonnie, to answer your question, in 2020, I actually see the, the decision-making element going away. And this is a little bit scary, but, you know, machines are starting to tell us what to do more and more. The, the Google Maps example is just one example of the decision-making process being eliminated from the human element and having the machines telling us what to do. For those of us old enough to remember Maximum Overdrive, the movie with Neil Lestevez, or Terminator 2, the Skynet and Cyberdyne systems, this may be a little creepy, but more and more with sensors everywhere in cars, in sewers, in our cell phones, and everywhere else. It allows us to, to focus more on what we want to do from a business perspective and have other systems, whether they're machines or outsourced applications, help you know, make our lives easier and faster. Thank you. Easier and faster. I'll go with that. Let's circle back to Tim Fuller. We gave you a break. And, Tim, I'm ready for you. 60 seconds. Take a full 60 seconds, Tim. You're such a good guy. And tell me, what else do you, what else do you predict, Mr. Fuller? Yeah, so my prediction is, is we're, we're in wave one, as I said, of cloud adoption. So we're basically getting the benefits of moving, not having to buy and invest in and maintain our own infrastructure. That's a simple model. It's kind of like we're going to send some of our manufacturing overseas to a cheaper labor country. It's not the end game, but it's a good start. But I think once everybody, more and more people get to a cloud environment, what it does is it removes processes and data which was previously siloed in individual companies into a public and private environment where they can work together effectively. So I think in the future, I don't know if it will be as, as quick as 2020 um, because mm -hmm. most of the big, big leaps in technology we've seen so far are consumer-oriented. They're not hard business process-oriented. They're not you know, customers dealing with companies directly vendors dealing with suppliers, but they will be. So I think in 2020, a lot more things, because of the cloud, will be able to be automated. You know, Steve mentioned learning machines or artificial intelligence, Internet of Things. I think we'll be able to automate whole processes from end to end that require far less human intervention to make things far more efficient, and the returns and benefits for customers or clients will be much higher. Thank you very much. Ot viam inveniam, ot fascium. No, no Latin music behind me. I'll either find a way or make one. I think the cloud is taking the, the, the sting out of that one because the cloud is giving companies a way so they don't have to make one. There you go. They can make the innovative mindset and then they can get a strategy and go to the cloud. And we have Eric Gunther. Eric, I have 60 seconds exactly for you for your predictions. Go ahead. Excellent. Thank you, Bonnie. So, um, my prediction is around something that I think cloud will help to enable and accelerate, and, and it's really around virtual reality and augmented reality, which I think are really going to take off. You know, to Tim's point, 
not just on the consumer side, but really on the business side. And, and I think the biggest breakthroughs there, I mean, there are some obvious, you know, business apps like, you know, helping people visualize a room where they're thinking about buying furniture or, you know, giving a service tech x-ray vision for something that they're fixing. But, but to me, the biggest breakthroughs are going to be where you converge multiple technologies like augmented reality, Internet of Things, and analytics. And, and I can imagine walking through a manufacturing plant and seeing color-coded pressure, you know, in the pipes that you're looking at, um, looking at which machines are about to break, you know, and, and looking at a pile of inventory and seeing the age and dollar value associated with it in this augmented reality environment. And, and you know, on the virtual reality side, I think the same thing's going to happen. Virtual reality environments are going to be integrated and we're going to have this comprehensive parallel reality that we can use for all kinds of things. You know, for example, testing out behavioral or environmental hypotheses, you know, and really seeing how things could work <clears throat> in real life without, you know, without actually doing something in the real world. So, you know, to, to me, it's sort of like we mobilized everything. Now we're going to virtualize and augment it, and um, the sky's the limit. I like that. The sky's the limit, and that's where the cloud is, right? <laughs> Exactly. And Elizabeth Taylor, Elizabeth Taylor might actually. What, what was the quote again? I used. I I fell off my pink cloud with a thud. She might roll over in her pink cloud right now because she's out there somewhere <laughs> saying, "What cloud computing technology? What in the world is that?" I have a quick silly bonus question for the three of you. We got just one more minute and just a one sentence answer. This is going to come as a complete shock. But if you had a personal robot by the year twenty twenty five, what would the name of that robot be? Tim Fuller, you can pass, or you can give me a name. What would that robot's <laughs> name be? <laughs> uh, hey, you! I don't know. I have to think. Okay, that's that. good enough. Eric, Eric Gunther, what would your robot be called? I'm I'm going to name it Eric and send it out to do all the things that I don't want to do. <laughs> you mean the honey do list? Don't even yeah, go there. Exactly. St- Steve Day, what would you name your per- your personal robot? Rolling Thunder, the name of my bike. Oh, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, we got our room there. Thank you so much, the three of you. Tim Fuller at EY, please do a shout-out to all of our friends at EY. Always value our thought leaders they send us for Game Changers Radio. Eric Gunther and Steve Day at SAP, such a pleasure to meet you. Shout-out to Tim Minahan at SAP, who does all kinds of interesting stuff in the cloud. And we know you're probably listening. If not, we'll send you the link to the podcast. And thank you to Brad Borkin and Lisa Chalmers at SAP for putting this panel together extraordinary and thank you to michael and the business channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us here i'm bonnie d graham here's my call to action i don't have a robot yet but mine's going to be called aka radio red which is my stage name we'll leave it at that that'll be my personal robot and she'll have lots of red hair fasten your seatbelt everyone what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today why not bye bye thanks again for tuning in to coffee break with game changers presented by sap The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.